Okay. Uh, so this is a podcast called Clash of the Typins, and I'm What's-His-Face, and there are some other people here. <laughs> and we're the other people. Yep. We have Emily Short. Hello. We're excited. Woo! They already know that, because they clicked on oh. Emily Short's name. It's not a surprise. Okay, fine. They just listened to the previous episode, and they were like, that's it? But then they saw there was this other one. <laughs> it's three hours long, and they're like, heck Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this is the real episode. Uh, Emily, are you there? Yep. Ready Uh, to start? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, When the seventh day comes and it is time for you to return to the castle in the forest, your sisters cling to your sleeves. Don't go back, they say, and when will we ever see you again? But you imagine they'll find consolation somewhere. Your father hangs back, silent and moody. He has spent the week as far from you as possible, working until late at night. Now he speaks only to ask whether the beast has treated you properly, since he obviously has his own ideas about what must have taken place over the past few years. You do not reply beyond a shrug. You breathe more easily once you're back in the forest, alone. Bronze, a fractured fractured fairy tale by Emily Short. Release 11, serial number 060503, Inform 7, build 3K27, I6-V630, Lib 6-10N. So this is a demo of, like, how the serial numbers have gotten longer and weirder since the early days. Hmm. <laughs> um, have you ever played interactive fiction before? Jenny, have you ever played interactive fiction before? What's interactive fiction? Um, I, I have a definitive definition that nobody can contest. Really? I would be interested to hear it if, um, but, I just, but in I English. I said it to you. Oh. Oh, well then never mind. <laughs> you were satisfied, weren't you? Uh, Sure. I this reminds me of H.P. Lovecraft's sex life. <laughs> I don't even want to know how that connection is drawn. Uh, apparently his ex-wife um, described him as a perfectly adequate lover. Oh! Yeah. Well, that was sweet of her. It was. It was very nice. And he would always say, you're satisfied, right? <laughs> and she'd say, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, is this really release 11? Uh, yeah. Does that strike you as massively improbable? Improbable? I couldn't decide That's... whether I wanted improbable or implausible, and the sort of horrible mistake mm. happened. Improbable. Yeah. Um, yeah, that strikes me as implausible. Implausible. <laughs> well, so, I mean, the thing is, Bronze is one of the reference files for Inform 7. And what mm-hmm. that means is it gets recompiled and re-verified every time there's a new build. And uh-huh. that, in turn, means that anytime something massive happens to Inform 7, it also has to be updated in order to account for whatever has changed. So it has proceeded through many iterations beyond the mere sort of bug fixing that is normal. So do you revise the content at all while you're doing this? No, it's just it's just a fix to 
you know, if, if there's some change of syntax or something. Mm-hmm. Um, other people have revised the content. Bronze is the only one of my things that's released on um, a Creative Commons license that actually lets people build their own versions. And there's at least one version that somebody did that was, um, they basically sort of went through and took out all the more disturbing references because they wanted to use it in a classroom. Uh-huh. Um, so they kind of childized it a bit, which still strikes me as a little bit odd because fundamentally I just don't think of it as a children's story at all. So I'm not sure how that, how well that would have worked, but, uh, you know, I don't care. More power to them. So I hope they're listening. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't mean that offensively. I just, you know, it, it seems to me that thematically it's a bit disturbing in a way that might seem weird for children, perhaps. I suppose it depends um, on how old the children are. So. Uh, instead of playing it, let's talk about that. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm serious. That sounds like a... Uh, sorry. Um, uh, why... This is the dumb question. Sorry. What inspired you... I can't believe I'm saying <laughs> To um, adapt the uh, Beauty and the Beast story in this way. Uh, Why did you make it gross instead of nice? <laughs> well, okay. Um, I, so, I've always kind of liked the Beauty and the Beast story. I mean, I guess there's sort of two, two, two pieces of that. Um, so, why did you do this story at all? And then, you know, why did you change it? Um, and Excuse me, a, I'm giving the interview here. Well, I'm just trying to break the question down into pieces I can answer. Um, I mean, it's I I really liked the Robin McKinley novel Beauty when I was a kid, and I had a copy of it that I probably read sort of thirteen or fourteen times. Um, and so it was kind of one of those things that was stuck in my head um, when I went to write a version of it myself. Though I realized that in order to kind of um, you know, the, the sort of the process where you're where you're thinking about the characters in your story and what they would actually be like in those circumstances and so on. Um, I had a lot of trouble with it because I realized that, um, however much I might have enjoyed some of the previous retellings, there's something super disturbing about a romance story in which a guy kidnaps this girl and sticks her in a castle and won't let her leave and like pesters her to marry him uh-huh um and yeah. and that clearly was like at, at best she was suffering from some serious stockholm syndrome kind of thing um and you know there's it's kind of hard to see how like if you actually take that premise seriously um it's difficult to see it as a romantic thing rather than you know, kind of a setup for something really creepy and abusive. Um, so kind of thinking about that led me into thinking about what kinds of characters would actually get themselves into that kind of situation um, and why might they be like that. Um, and so at that point, it wound up being a much kind of darker piece. Uh, how much of that design factored into making this kind of the flagship game of Inform 7? Uh, that was really kind of coincidental, I'd say. I mean, it was... Uh, trying. To, I mean, this is years ago, so I'm trying to remember exactly in what order things happened, but I'd written a very short version of this, again, as a speed IF, um, 
and uh, that version was just, I was just kind of experimenting with how much can I flesh out lots of rooms quickly and inform and can I make a, a big sprawling map in two hours that works and so on as the, the beast's castle and so on. Um, and then I went back and started fleshing it out. But it was it was sort of, I mean, basically what happened was this was the project that I happened to be working on at the point where we needed some releasable i7 games. And at the time, and there, there was sort of news group politics that actually turned out to have made this a bad idea. But what we were thinking at the time was um, we're shortly going to be releasing Inform 7 and it's going to look really weird to people with all this natural language stuff. And they're going to be skeptical that you can actually make a traditional style game in full this way. So what we should do is like before we should just head all that off at the pass by releasing some things that say, you know, these are in inform seven, they're full size, normal text adventures. They can do all the things so that once they got to the natural language surprise, the instant reaction would be, well, you can't actually, <laughs> like how do you expect to to do a, a full length game with this um so i mean sort of we knew we needed to do that i was in the middle of of playing with this story so at some point we decided that this was going to be one of the release things and i started working towards it um being that and i think that was part of the motivation for building in as much um novice friendly stuff as there is in the game i think i it was because it was trying to be kind of an outreach piece. I wanted to do that as well. But um, so, if the project you had been working on wasn't as traditional, IF run around and find keys that match the material of the door that they unlock, <laughs> uh, would you have tried the same? Would you have gone with the same thing? Well, we actually released three things, um, and I, people sometimes forget, but. Um, Bronze yeah, came out and Glass came out, which is um, oh, yeah. the sort of <laughs> Cinderella as seen from the perspective of the parrot. Um, and you may now be thinking, what parrot? Uh, <laughs> I was enough. thinking, what parrot? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, you are a bird on a perch during the interview between the prince and Cinderella's stepsisters and stepmother. Um, so that's... You know, that was kind of a counterpoint as a very weird, yeah. conversation-y kind of new school game as opposed to Bronze, which is more of an old school structure game. Um, and then uh, we also had Graham's game, uh, The Reliques of Toltiaf, uh, which does all kinds of really bizarre stuff. Um, yeah. And with the result that, I mean... <laughs> Some it's people are even afraid to play game, that one. But um, but it does things like have labyrinths that are constructed on the fly by moving the rooms around um, and various other things that were kind of pressing the boundaries of, of what would be easy to program, but that was kind of the point. So it wasn't, it wasn't just a matter of... Um, no, it I wasn't, totally wasn't just that we it. only wanted to show off an old school thing. It was that we wanted to show off that it was a generally in the round capable kind of tool. Sure. Mm -hmm. You don't want people to look at this and say, well, I can't have swords. I can't have ogres. <laughs> How will I make a game? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something like that. 
So uh, there's there's another thing that I want to ask about, but we have to get part of the way into the game first. So let's let let's uh, play. Okay. Bronze. Right. Oh boy. So playing. have you ever played interactive fiction before? It is asking. Yes. That's what I thought. Uh, if you have not played bronze before, you may still want to type help to learn about special commands unique to this game. Drawbridge. Even in your short absence, the castle has come to look strange to you again. When you came here first, you stood a long while on the drawbridge, unready to cross the moat for fear of the spells that might bind you if you did. This time, it is too late to worry about such things. An iron-barred gate leads north. G- go north. Go north, first opening the iron-barred gate. You shouldn't be able to open it, heavy as it is, but it swings aside lightly at your touch. The beast said that it knows friend from enemy, and the castle, at least, still regards you as a friend. Entrance Uh hall. There is no fire in the big fireplace, and no one is waiting for you here. The air is very cold. Over the gate, the old familiar warning sign is painted. Various passages lead deeper into the castle, north towards the central courtyard, southwest to the guard tower, east and west into the libraries, the offices, and the galleries. Somewhere in this maze, he waits, and he should be told as soon as possible that you did return. An iron-barred gate leads south to the drawbridge. Um, this isn't even a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> you can go any direction, any of the uh, main cardinal directions, and also southwest. Um, I'm trying to remember where the thing that I want to see is. Uh, go north. North. Central courtyard. Open to a gray sky from which a light rain falls. You have never seen the courtyard otherwise. It rains in every season, winter or summer, no matter what lies beyond the moat. It was here that you first laid eyes on the beast, emerging from the staterooms, snarling. He seemed angry at you for coming, even though you'd had no choice. Or perhaps, you thought, he was simply violent. You did not run. The castle proper opens both north and south, and to the east, a helical staircase ascends to the roof. Uh, go north. Mm-hmm. I have a strategy. It's go north. <laughs> I like it. Well, this is going to come to a crashing halt. You find your way blocked by a phantom guard. Somewhere nearby, you hear chimes. As soon as you back up, he disperses into smoke again. Oh, we should examine ourselves so that we can admire all the work you put into uh, crafting the player <laughs> description. X me. You are non-trivially the worst for your journey. Hungry, dirty, and tired. But all that can be seen to later. So it's not a super long one, I'm afraid. But uh, but it, it establishes it our motivation, at least which not. is to get clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it says you can see to it later, so it's not your prime concern. You also uh, have a status bar that says you have searched three out of 55 rooms, in case that helps. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. I can't identify with a PC whose immediate concern is not being hungry. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's... But, you know... I, I'm going to be back in a second. Fellow, fellow okay. being. Uh, fellow being lunch. I'm going to go with lunch. <laughs> this explains dinner bell, I take it. <laughs> I was so hungry all the time writing that. It was awful. Uh, I was really see. hungry writing Savoir Fair, and I think everybody can tell it's just completely obsessed <laughs> with food. 
<laughs> I don't actually remember the food parts in Savoir Faire. Uh, there's this big long puzzle, which I mean, it's it, got it. It's, <laughs> so so there's in keeping with Savoir Faire, basically trying to do all the old school things, but in a slightly subversive way. Um, it has mm -hmm. a hunger demon that doesn't actually kill you, but just constantly nags you about how hungry you are until you make oh. this incredibly elaborate meal, right? And it won't <laughs> let you just, you find various foodstuffs around, but your your PC is so snooty that he won't just, like, eat an apple. He has to actually make a dinner for himself uh, um, in order oh, to satisfy awful. the hunger demon. It's... <laughs> is 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 there other evidence that the the PC in Savoir Faire is actually Shaggy from Scooby Doo? <laughs> I, I think he's better groomed than Shaggy. Um, I mean, it, it's been a while <laughs> since I've viewed Scooby Doo, but uh... mm -hmm. I think it's just all the same episode. Yeah, well, some guy is pretending to be a ghost, right? That's, that's uh -huh. the plot. With a rubber so. mask. No matter what he was doing before they take that rubber mask off, you know, levitating, wa like literally walking through walls. Well, because he has wires and projectors. Projectors let you walk through walls? Projectors let an image walk through walls or seem to walk through walls. And also, hallucinogenic gas is pumped into all the carnivals to suggest... To make your mind open to spooks. That's okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm glad you're back because you were the one who had the plan in regards to bronze. My plan was to go north. And that failed drastically. Um, <sighs> there was like a room where there was like a map on the floor. Ah, yes. I think you might have to solve some puzzles to get to that. Ugh, I hate solving puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could them. just bring up the source code and look for the description of the map if you wanted. No, um, we don't look at the source code on Clash of the Titans, I don't think. Do yeah, we, we just read that? the version numbers. That's as, that's as deep <laughs> down the rabbit hole as we go. Um, I say bring the puzzles. Yeah. I was joking. I actually have solved every puzzle, so I'm kind of an expert. <laughs> um, and I know what how we how we solve this puzzle anyway, because I have it memorized. Um, uh, yeah, what are our directions from here? Uh, north, which is the blocked one, east, which you haven't done yet, and south, back to the place you just east taken. is the correct answer. East ground floor helical staircase. The steps from here rise towards the upper rooms and open out onto the bare courtyard. An obscene gargoyle sits where the finial of the banister should be. Um, this actually is not the correct answer. We need to go back <laughs> west. Now I'm wondering in what sense the gargoyle is obscene. Oh, yeah, we should examine the gargoyle. It's gargoyle. He came up while you were bent over the gargoyle trying to lift it. Taking that back to your room, he asked slightly. It won't work, but if you're lacking companionship, I could find an appropriate servant to see to your needs. You felt yourself blush. It's ugly, you said. I wanted to move it. Oh, you can't. He frowned at it. It's a remnant left here by an angry soul who managed to take some revenge despite his enslavement. There are a few others around, mostly in the crypt. They're immovable, but harmless. You reacquaint yourself with its appearance. Not too large, but stunningly ugly. A stone about the size of an apple carved into a monster with outsized ears and eyes, not to mention outsized attributes elsewhere. 
okay, I think I get a sense of how that car girl is obscene. So this actually solves the issue that I was trying to get to, where um, in this game, I believe that all the memories show up um, the first time you look at a memory-triggering object. Mm-hmm. I was playing uh, Counterfeit Monkey with friend of the show, Emily Bogheim. I got to say friend of the show. You did. <laughs> it was exciting. And I didn't stumble over it or anything. That also settles we... for me how her last name is pronounced, which I have never known the answer to. It is Bog... Bogheim. Yes. And I think. And... <laughs> Uh, we made her say her name on the show, right? We did. You should listen to the show. I should. Um, or I should pay attention to it while I'm editing it. Right. Um, so in Counterfeit Monkey, if something has a memory attached to it, you uh, it says you, could, you remember this thing and you have mm-hmm. a chance to remember that thing. So I have a bunch of questions about this. Okay. Do you... Consider that, um, is it a question of in this game you want to treat memories this way and in this game you want to treat them another way? Or, uh, is it that over the years you decided that this is a better way of treating memories overall? Or just tell me all of your decisions in this vein because they interest me in a nerdy (laughs) way. Um, this is something that I've gone back and forth on actually. I, I think in Savoir Fair, the deal is also that you see things and that you know that they have memory attached, but you have to explicitly trigger them in order to see them. So, so there are a couple of things. One is, I, I, don't, I don't know that I think that one way is categorically better than the other. Um, I have had players express to me preferences on both sides, so I can't really sort of rely on, um, you know, what, what everybody thinks as a design solution on this one. Some people think that it's sort of an unnecessary extra step. Some people sort of like being able to break the content up into multiple chunks or like be aware of memory as some separate action from examination or whatever. What I would say about Counterfeit Monkey is that at one point, and I backed off from this because it wasn't really working, but at one point there was going to be kind of a layer where that was about how much you as as Andra, so it was sort of half of the the player character, wanted to share about your past with Alex the narrator. And so it would kind of be up to you whether you wanted to remember oh. things and also whether you wanted to go deeper into those memories. So originally there was uh, well, originally, I mean, this game was under development for years. So at one point in its development, um, it came about that uh, those memories were actually somewhat interactive, and part of part of what was going on was you as Andra deciding how much to to think about them, while knowing that if you consciously thought about details, then they would become also available to Alex. Um, and the reason, well, there are a couple of reasons I backed off that. Um, one reason was that it was just so completely a different type of mechanic than what everything else in the game is about, and I felt like it wasn't, it, it was just kind of jarringly strange to have, like, one part of the game is running around zapping things to take letters out in this goofy way, and then the other part of the game is this kind of weird, like, how far into the um, the story do I want to go, and it becomes this much more um, 
it was just, just a much more sort of wishy-washy kind of experience. It didn't gel well with the other one. So, so that was one issue. I guess the other issue was that I felt like it, um, it put the player in a somewhat irritating position, which was that as a player, of course, I do want to know whatever details are going to be available to me sure. about my protagonist. So there, there would never be a player, presumably, who just didn't want to see that stuff. And so I suspected that, that the play experience it would create would be an irritating one in which people triggered the memories, and then if they didn't want Alex to know, they un they did undo over and over and over again. And that's <laughs> never a good thing to, that's not a good play style to evoke in your players. Um, so that was, that was not something I wanted to get into. At that Memory time. scumming, I think they call that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have run into one or two places where I think that actually positively works. Like the King of Shreds and Patches, where you induce Lovecraftian states of madness in your player character, um, that's cool because, because you get to experience the, you know, the sort of tipping over the edge into having seen too much and then step back from it again and say, no, that wasn't part of the protagonist experience. I just, now I just know what that was about. Um, so that I felt it did kind of work. Um, but for Monkey, it just, yeah, it, you gotta, you gotta not throw everything that you ever think of into your game, is what I've discovered. <laughs> I tried to do that with City of Secrets, and it was a horrible, horrible mistake. So, um, <laughs> learning to not put in everything is important. Thank you for, uh, for answering my, uh, I have another question. <laughs> okay. This is not as good a question, but if you were rehandling bronze, would you treat memory d the same way or differently do you th uh, would you would you pull more of a explicit remember blank i don't know i don't think so i mean part of i think the function that it has in bronze is that a lot of the if you if you take the memories out like a lot of the room descriptions and the object descriptions are extremely spare and that's intentional it was i was intentionally experimenting with a game in which there's a big sprawling map and there's way less kind of stuff in each room. And it's just, it's a, it's a less dense kind of experience. Um, mm -hmm. But because of that, having the automatic memories kind of, it gives you an opportunity to get back some sense of narrative depth in your experience. And it's not like that would be impossible to have if you had to, to trigger them on purpose, um, but but it's like there's. I, a, I don't think it's necessary. I guess here there's a higher feedback ratio if you make it automatic in this case. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's a, it's sort of a text pacing thing, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. That you know, if if you're getting loads of text in response to every move, then you. It, you probably want to move towards pairing things back. Whereas here you've got a very streamlined, like you're getting very little at a time, therefore having occasional junctures where there's more makes it feel a little bit less crunchy. Yes. I like the automatic memories in bronze because the protagonist is very much not under control of her own life. Yeah. Go into that some more. Uh, 
Well, I feel like there's... So she's in this situation that was not her idea, and now she's looking at things and having memories, and it's not her idea to be having these memories, and it's... Oh. Yeah, it's kind of a, a more emotional... A, a bigger emotional flood, I guess. Well, on that interpretation, do the protagonists of Savoirfare and Counterfeit Monkey have more control over their situations? I would say so, yeah. I mean, certainly to start with. You eventually get to a point in bronze where you have some control over the outcome, but to start with, you're in, things are a little bit difficult. They sure seem that way because this poor woman is standing around for hours on end while people talk about whether she should have to remember something. <laughs> um, let's, let's continue play. I remember the solution to this one so we can uh, get past it and find more stuff to pontificate about. Okay. Um, if we go... And the cool thing is that I have parts of this map committed to memory even though it's been probably years since I actually played the dang game. I say parts of this map committed to memory, but I'm constantly wrong about what my memories are. But uh, if we go west and then south and then east... Mm -hmm. uh, so west takes you back to the central courtyard. Do you want me to be in verbose or brief mode here? Um, you can be in conversational mode where you only mention the stuff you want to talk about. Right. Okay. So we would have had the same exact, uh, room descriptions over again. And then, um, you wanted to go east when you got back to the entrance hall. Is that right? Uh, or yes, west? please. East. Okay. Scarlet Gallery. You do not often come this way into the older part of the castle, which is narrow and has a low roof. The walls, and the ceiling, too, are deep scarlet, the color of the old king and queen that ruled here 250 years ago, when there was still a kingdom. And you can see in the status bar, although not in the room description, that there are exits northeast, east, and southeast. Although, perhaps you remember that. No. Um, <laughs> uh, northeast, please. Treasure room. Locked in an iron cage are the house treasures not in use. The collection consists of a scepter, a puzzle piece, and a pair of cloven shoes at present. He showed them to you one rainy day, telling you their many histories. Nearby, a small door leads east. Oh, this sounds like a puzzle. Um, some of this is a puzzle, and some of this is just awesome. Um, <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's examine the scepter. <laughs> I'm imagining a person who hasn't played this listening to this, which is a terrible idea. Stop doing that. <laughs> and, and saying, oh, examine the scepter, examine the scepter, and then we leave the room and uh, they uh, get mad. Don't do that. <laughs> right. X scepter. Formerly belonging to Queen Ingratitudina I, so he said, only slightly bent where she used it to strike King Cofetua. You reacquainted yourself with its appearance. Studded with measly turquoises and semi-precious stones. Oh, domestic violence. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, examine the cloven boots. The boots of cleaving. Made for something with cloven hoofs. 
They bear evidence of having been adjusted to their current size by a shoemaker, and perhaps, therefore, could be again. Ah, that sounds like a puzzle. You could do something to this. Um, okay, uh, east is an exit? It is. There east. was a third thing in this room that I am pointedly ignoring because I forget what it is. <laughs> uh, it was the puzzle piece. Yeah, that's... that's that definitely sounds like a puzzle. My personal intuition is that if it says it's a puzzle piece, then it's obviously a red herring. Can but we I... examine it anyway? Yeah. Okay. Something shiny has been painted on the piece. Examine shiny. You can't see any such thing. Oh, okay. Uh, go uh, east, then. First opening the small door. First unlocking the small door. You lack a key that fits the small door. Wow. No. Um, this is going to be tougher than I thought. Then I guess we should go southwest and then east. Mm-hmm. East. Gallery of historical paintings. Here on the north and south wall are paintings of historical events from times past. The assassination of King Elzabad in 1248. The arrival of Princess Lucrezia from the Italian state of Medici Credenza in 1545. The gallery goes on, echoing both east and west. Um, how much of these details did you research? How many of these details did you make up? <laughs> I was and just how many curious of them about that too. Did you are, include because you already knew them? <laughs> uh, these are completely false details, as you would discover <laughs> if you examined the paintings at all. Awesome. These are wholly invented. Um, so let's how much examine... of this takes place in actual Europe and how much takes place in fictional Europe? It applies rules of the universe that don't happen in actual U- Europe, as far as I'm aware. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a specific place. I mean, certainly there, as you know, there were Medici's, right? But it's... Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there was Italy and yes. might still be. Yes. Um, I mean, it's it's the same sort of imagine some small duchy or principate or something that is roughly the same general concept as, like, Liechtenstein and <laughs> okay. only more fictional. More fictional than Liechtenstein? Yes. Is there such a place? You're going to disappoint Jenny if you go any further. <laughs> Okay, let's do what we were going to do in this room. Um, This room... Oh, we're going to examine one of the paintings and not the other. The Lucrezia painting. That's the one that you want to to examine? Yes, that's the one that we we want to examine. You don't want to examine Elzebad? Fine, both of them. Fine. (laughs) Because I love the Elzebad one. Alright, I'll do Lucrezia first, though, as a treat for you. Thank you. (laughs) Lucrezia wears silk the pale blue of the morning sky, and her eyes are little currents of malice. That's currents with an A, as in the dried fruit. That's that's not like the description of the painting, though. That's the description of Lucrezia in the painting. Uh, yes, but if you if you examine, say, Arrival or whatever, then that's it's all referring to the same painting. Oh, okay, all right. So examine Elzabad. You see his pointy slippered attendants wringing their hands, his wife wiping her eyes on an ermine muff, 
peasants grieving. Of Elzebad himself, there is only a pair of blackened feet sticking out from under the elephant. Oh. Wow. I don't know where they got that assassin, but I want one. It's high-quality assassination. <laughs> Probably very expensive. So, um, we can go east from here? Yes. East. Room with a labyrinth floor. A mosaic floor of black and white like that of cathedrals as protection against the spite of the undead, which protection might often have been needed by those who dwelt here in former times. The way down is at the center of the maze. Ah, um, and our exits are what? West and down. Oh, let's go down. Down. Darkness. Though a dim light filters down from the room with the labyrinth floor, you can see almost nothing of the contents of your current location. So, uh, Jenny? Uh-huh? I don't want to tell Emily this. Okay. But when I said that I had this map memorized... Uh-huh. Um... I was wrong. <laughs> okay. And I think I might... I think what I do remember might have east and west reversed. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. So when we bring Emily back on the line, because we hung up on her... Oh, we um, did? Yeah, so she That was rude this. of us. Well, she she gets it. She's in <laughs> podcasts or stuff. <laughs> She's a woman of the world. Right. Um, we're going to... We're going to start heading west instead of east okay and should we do it real nonchalantly like yeah this yeah. was our plan all along exactly okay in fact y you should probably handle it okay so, okay um should i say something like well now that that's accomplished yes yes keep going uh let's start heading west instead of east do we want to do anything down in this uh what, I don't think we can accomplish anything without a light source. Okay. So All right. let's head back up. I'm notionally no longer hung up on. Um, oh, good. Right, okay. So uh, west from the room with the labyrinth brings you back to historical paintings. Do you want to keep heading west? Let's keep heading west. Uh, now you're in the Scarlet Gallery. There's an unexplored okay. room to the southeast, or you could keep heading west. Let's keep heading west. It's up to you, Jenny. I think west. I really like west. Okay. okay, come back to the entrance hall. West and southwest are your options for the entrance hall. You still on west? Yes, west! <laughs> You're not going to get to Oregon. <laughs> oh, I never get to Oregon. West, great dining hall. Such a long hall that the soup might get cold between one end and the other. You and he used only the far west end nearest the kitchen. Once you took to dining together at all, that is, the first few months he brought trays to your room while you hid. But then you took to dining here, and at the end of every meal he would stand up formally and ask his question. You can leave at any time, he said when he first spoke to you. You stared at him, surprised that someone with his face and teeth was capable of human communication. Would you like to go? There are other memories, more recent, of course. Every glance around the room reminds you of a different one. I think maybe we should glance around the room, then don't think that's a verb I recognize. No, I, probably not. I'll, I'll translate it for you. Okay. Uh, okay. Look, great dining hall. Oh. You allow yourself to remember another night, another request. I'm surprised you haven't gone home yet, he said, very early in your stay. I've heard stories, he replied, as if there weren't enough to see around the castle. I know what happens to your servants who tried to leave you. Nothing bad would happen to you, he said. 
but you could not believe him, not with all the captured spirits, not with the stories, not with the evidence around the castle. So is that the whole room description? Uh, currently, yes. If we okay. look again... Uh-huh. Look, great dining hall, you allow yourself to remember another night, another request. And now, would you like to go home? You bit your lip. It had been a pleasant conversation up until now when you are reminded... However nicely he may behave, he is still the king of a cursed line and not to be trusted. And we can keep on going forever. And there's infinite text. Yes, yes there is. That's correct. So we should head... uh... As a matter of fact, still writing it. (laughs) Do you need help? This is version 11 in base (laughs) 6000. North and west are your options other than back east. West! All right. Enormous kitchen. Haunted with the spirits of chef's past, generations and generations of culinary geniuses, one can never predict its whimsies. Unless he's moved everything, the bell to summon them into action should be in one of the rooms upstairs. Exits north and east. I've run out of west, Ryan. Um, then I think we should go north. All right. (laughs) North. Servant quarters. You've never come here before, and now you see why. Not a room friendly to visitors. It has the air of resentful, martyred suffering. Even his most unpleasant ancestors could not have grudged this place more paint, surely, and more straw for the beds. A decaying ladder leads down. Mm-hmm. I have given up on my mission of <laughs> asking Emily to say interesting things about this game, and now I'm just trying to solve this puzzle that I said I could solve automatically. And I am stuck... Uh, what is it that you're actually trying to accomplish at this point uh i'm gonna get the chimes and i'm gonna put the thing on the chimes that's the solution and the chimes are in the southeast end in my mind because (laughs) (laughs) i remember i uh i i think for a long time in my interactive fiction playing career i had East, like left and right, east and west, mapped mentally, reversed. I have that problem too. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Let's talk about that for a while. Uh, having uh, directions reversed. Let's talk about um the thought process that went into making a big sprawling map. <laughs> As in, what was wrong with me? No. <laughs> Uh, that's my favorite kind. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, like I said, the, the map was mostly built out during the sort of speed if genesis of this game. And the ter- terrific thing about the Inform IDE, even at that point, was that you could sketch in rooms and then have it automatically draw you your map layout and that made it really comparatively easy for me to sort of quickly throw together this thing. Um, And I had some vague notions. Some of the specific elements here are based on uh, sort of French castle features that I either had seen in person or had seen in art history books and that kind of thing. but for the most part, it was kind of... The, the the very earliest version of this game was just you were going to find the beast after you had searched 
enough of the rooms and it was actually it was actually mathematically counting so he wasn't in a specific room he was in the the room two-thirds of the way through or something like that um and so that was the concept so i was just i needed to make enough rooms for that to have an interesting effect in play so i was kind of building it out and then i would it was kind of sculptural almost a sort of iterative process of adding more bits on compiling looking at the map that that had generated deciding if i wanted to you know did i get the symmetry wrong do i want to add more stuff over here and if so upstairs and downstairs should match up and that kind of stuff um so that was really it it wasn't it wasn't drafted on paper at all i occasionally have done paper drafts of maps but with i7 i mostly just rely on the Wow. generated map. I can't... Are you trying I... to imagine not doing a paper map? Yeah, and I <laughs> cannot. That's like the center of my process. That is crazy. Um, geez. So, um, we uh, cannot play this entire game um, and we were planning to play a game that I wrote later. And for us to do all the things we want to do, um, we can take as much time as we want to accomplish this. But when we solve the chime puzzle, we're, we have beaten this game. Okay. okay. <laughs> Is that okay with you, Emily? Sure. All right. So we heard so chimes to... when we were, I think, in the courtyard. What would have yes. happened if we listened you want to go back to the courtyard and hear them and listen? You could try that, unless Ryan remembers something. Um, that works for me. Okay. This actually brings up another question that I could ask. Hmm? Um, so, uh, this game has go-to room implemented, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Well, Jenny likes that a lot, but I don't like that verb, personally. You, do you dislike it as an author, or do you dislike it as a player, or both? I suppose both. So, what um, is your? Give us your manifesto. Oh, my manifesto is this: um, in a in a game, especially like Bronze, that's about um, exploring this crazy huge map. Um, part of the experience of learning to understand it is trudging through individual rooms until you actually have that mental map. And if instead you are just selecting from a list of rooms that you've found, then you don't get that same experience. And that's an experience that I want to force onto people who play my games. Sure. It is like driving somewhere using your GPS. Yes. But I bet Emily has something to say about it. (laughs) Um... Not everybody likes that experience equally. I I definitely know what you mean, and some of the time I find it rewarding as a player, and some of the time I don't. Um, for bronze specifically, a large part of the design concept and the the later parts of the development were about how novice friendly I could make it, though, mm-hmm. um, and so it actually. Not only does it have go-to room, it actually comes with, although I don't know how many people actually bother to download this, but it comes with a manual that has a partial map in it. Oh, nice. And 
the That's intention cool. is, you know, you it will be interesting for you to wander around and see what's actually in these rooms, but um, I didn't want novice players to feel massively disoriented, and I also wanted, to some extent, to kind of honor the fact that while the player is unfamiliar with this space, the protagonist is not, so it makes sense to give a little bit of kind of the shape to represent the pre protagonist's initial knowledge, um, which is also why Counterfeit Monkey starts out with a full map, because half of your your protagonist has lived there his whole life, so he knows where everything is. It's not it's a surprise. I do I, like the full map in Counterfeit Monkey a lot. Yeah. I also like the phrase, half of your protagonist. Uh-huh. That's exciting. <laughs> I feel you like can picture them stitched together if you like, so left, right, <laughs> some sort of weird harlequin. Okay. Yeah. Wearing half a tuxedo and half a ball gown. Yeah. Uh, I th I feel like some games are crunchier, you know, with place as place, mm -hmm. and then I don't necessarily want a go-to for those, but if there are games where the rooms are mostly providing functionality, and it's easier to remember what what they're called... Like when you're on a spaceship. Yes, like when you're on a spaceship, and you're like, go to engine room, and maybe it's a really convoluted engine room, and you've got the middle map, you know, flipped... <laughs> And you're walking around going southeast. Because you don't know what starboard means. Uh-huh. And then you're, um, because you haven't played Captain Verdeterra's Plunder. Well, I pointedly did not put starboard in port. Which in I have to say Verdeterra. that I really appreciated, so thank you for thank that. You. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to, and I was like, wait, this is terrible. This ruins everything for everyone. <laughs> so it's just going to be a Metroid map. Oh, um, personal anecdote. Yes. Unrelated to this game, I went out on a paddle boat on the thing that they call a lake around here, which is just a big man-made canal. And it was okay. very exciting driving this paddle boat and getting a chance to say, hard to port! Hard to and starboard! you did not know what you were actually saying? Right, I was just saying and your words. your paddleboat companion was telling you to belay everything? Uh-huh, and then our paddleboat crashed into a bridge and exploded. Yay! <laughs> that didn't really happen. Oh. We were fine. Disappointing. I didn't hit anything in the paddleboat. I know, I'm sorry. Anyway. Anyway. Games. So, um, I don't know. I think that even... I'm, I'm going to just say an opinion. Okay. <laughs> Get ready. Um, I think that even... Um, uh, after what you've said about um, how the PC understands this space, I think that it's um, still not in um, still not in keeping with what the map means for you to not have to walk all over it every time you want to go somewhere. What does the map mean, though? And the the hugeness of the map. And the fact that some areas are not functional ex except in to, you know, make you remember things or understand the space better. Um, forget how this sentence started out. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Uh, what does the map mean? mean? What does the map mean? The map means that you are in this huge, lonesome space. And um, not having to walk lonesomely from place to place, uh, I think, interferes with that meaning. 
and of course it's a meaning that I've, you know, inserted into the map and that probably isn't necessarily the intention of the author. But like I said, I got an opinion. Well, That's fair. You know, Ryan, nobody's making you type go to room. And I'm re- flatly refused to do it. Okay. I I have it on the authority of various players that this was mm-hmm. a major reason that they found this game playable where they had bounced off other IF. All so right. for some people it's useful. Um, if it interferes with your personal aesthetic appreciation of the game, then I accept that. Then I should just but... not type certain things is what you're telling me? You should me? just not type certain things if they offend you, I think. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, (laughs) can I just say that this is our best podcast so far? (laughs) It really is. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, okay. So, so there is there is this interesting thing. Okay, this this touches on something that I have a minor rant about. Okay, um, which is that in general, I would agree that it's it's dangerous as an author to say I am going to leave this design decision about how my game should be experienced in the hands of the player and I am going to cram my game with all these different modes and options and modalities so that every player will be well served because very very often what happens as a result of that is that you wind up half-assing all of the modes so instead of having one really polished way of experiencing the game you have three ways of experiencing the game none of which are really perfect and if anybody complains to you about why one of those modalities is uncomfortable or weird or badly implemented, you say, oh, well, you can turn that off. But of course, the other ones are bad, too. So that doesn't really help. Um, so so I think there is a, a good sort of solid reason to try not to shove the artistic responsibility off yourself onto the player by just saying, you know, you can you can pick whatever flavored jelly bean you want in order to experience this game. Um, but the flip side of that is that um, at some level, um, part of what's cool about interactive fiction is that it it does kind of naturally allow you to give the player certain kinds of options without that particularly warping the design one way or another. And the the way the thing that I most often think of in that context is um I love IF for for doing games that have a lot of really intensive world building where there's lots of stuff and all this stuff has its own backstory and it's weird and you can really dig into it. Um, where if you if you put all of those different descriptions and bits of backstory or whatever into a paper novel, you would have Moby Dick. And because you're not Herman Melville, nobody would read it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it wouldn't be useful. But because the player is being given that option to kind of select, to direct their own interest, um, they can explore as much of that as they want. And even if they do wind up exploring absolutely all of it, because they are sort of obsessive examiners of things because it's at their own pace they don't experience it as this massive info dump blort so i guess the the question is when it when it comes to design decisions like that um like you know 
is it destructive to add this verb to the game? Will it make things easy in a way that uh, somehow de-intensifies the experience? I feel like the particular example of go-to-room is something where as a player you could just decide to ignore that that command exists, and then what you're left with is still functionally a game that feels like it has standard IF navigation, and it hasn't been pushed into being some different weird mode of thing that that's badly accommodated, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. But maybe you disagree. That makes <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And no, that uh, I I know something now that I didn't know a few minutes ago. Um, Mission accomplished. Yeah, but I'm still <laughs> not going to put go to in any of my games. Okay. And I'm going well, to yell angrily at anyone who asks me to. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, arguing with your players is a losing battle. That's I... <laughs> No one actually has done that, but I'm prepared. Okay. Ryan, well, I think you should put go to in your next you game. You know what, Jenny? <laughs> yeah. This really is our best episode yet. <laughs> I think so, too. Um, I have to step away again. Don't do anything interesting while I'm gone. Okay. Oh my gosh. Hey, Emily. Yeah? Can we type go to courtyard? <laughs> I could type that. He would never know. He would never know. We could pretend. In no way is the... he going to be listening to this later. <laughs> never. We could pretend uh, yes. that we took the long, lonely path. <laughs> you head east to the entrance hall and north to the final to the central courtyard. See, okay. it hopefully gives you a description of your route. Okay, awesome. Now I'm I'm not allowed to do anything interesting. No. No. So, hmm. I feel as though I should have an intellectual question for you about game design. Um, what did you have for lunch? Uh Gosh, that was a long time ago. Um salad <clears throat> and uh, sort of a Greek salad with lemon dressing and uh, then also, how confessional do we want this to be? Um, <laughs> how confessional do you want it to be? I think this is the point where you're Andrea, I'm Alex, and you're talking about lunch. Right. Well, okay, in the interest of full disclosure, I also had a couple of bites of coronation chicken. Do you know what coronation chicken I is? This? I didn't know this before. Sorry? What's what's coronation chicken? It, it's It's this weird British sandwich filler that sort of, it's like, it's chicken bits, but it's got a sort of creamy curry thing going on and sometimes raisins. Huh. Huh. I had never heard of this before I came to the UK, so it's clearly a... I mean, pr perhaps because of our lack of royalty, but... <laughs> right. And um, they put it on sandwiches? They put it on sandwiches. Interesting. But, but scandalously, I had several bites of deli filler without bread, so it was not a sandwich. It was oh, just no. bites of coronation chicken. Okay, is, how scandalous is that? <laughs> to eat sandwich filling without, without a sandwich? Well, a sandwich? It, That's kind of gross. I had a fork. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just scooping up is, curry chicken with your bare hands and shoving right. it into your mouth? I think this is directly relatable to, for example, eating peanut butter with a spoon. Mm. With a spoon! Or eating Nutella with a spoon. still better than your bare hands. Fork. I, um... What about 
Um, never mind. I don't want to share that detail. Okay. Can I relate <laughs> a shameful personal anecdote? Better you than me. So I was at the deli, um, the deli counter at the grocery store, buying some fried chicken and some sides, which I think included coleslaw, possibly macaroni and cheese, and mashed potatoes. And then there was a very strange woman at the deli counter, um, sort of engaging me in conversation and asking the deli counter people for special favors and mispronouncing names of cheeses. And I just found her alarming. And she asked if I was going to be eating inside the grocery store. And I said, yes, because that had been my plan. And then I thought, oh no, if I eat inside the grocery store and this woman also eats inside the grocery store, maybe she will try to talk to me and I can't handle that right now. So I went to my car without grabbing a fork <laughs> and and shoveled and I think I had to be somewhere <laughs> so yeah. I didn't have time to take my food home you were in a hurry to your job interview so it might have actually no, no, I don't think it was a job interview <laughs> so I'm sitting in my car eating fried chicken and then shoveling handfuls of mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese and coleslaw into my mouth with my bare hands because I thought another woman was strange Jenny, that's a lot of sides I know, I like sides Wow. Yeah. So, no, I don't think your coronation chicken on a fork was terrible at all. Okay. It's good to know. I did eat it in my house at my table, so that... That's good. You're already winning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, clearly. I know that you guys typed go to something while I was away. No. Oh, I can't lie to you, Ryan. <laughs> we are back in the central courtyard. We are. However that happened. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> we need to find those chimes. Right. So you were going to go north and then listen to the chimes. That was your... Yes. Uh, north. Again, the sound of chimes and the phantom guard that blocks your path. Somewhere there must be a ringer summoning him, protecting the staterooms. You've never known the beast to put up guards before. It's always been enough for him to guard the rooms himself. All right. So if you listen, Mm -hmm. it says you hear some pattering from the rain. Mm -hmm. Let's take the stairs up. Okay. So we go east to the obscene gargoyle again. Up. Upstairs helical staircase. In this spot, you fell and almost broke your leg or some more other more valuable part of you. Except that he caught you. But you're alone now, and therefore cautious. Exits east. East is good. Is east really good, or are you thinking of west? West is best, but east is okay. (laughs) Huh. East. Private parlor. A sitting room of the family in old times and familiar territory to you now as well. Your bedroom is just south. Other bedrooms, mostly smaller, in other directions. A heavy door leads north. You can also see a bentwood table on which is a jigsaw puzzle here. Z-O-M-G, the jigsaw piece, was not a red herring. <laughs> it's true. Did we did we wind up taking that piece? I don't think so, because I seriously thought 
despite having played through all of this game before, that it wasn't important. It's, um, yes? It's not what I would call vital, but uh, it's not a total well, red herring either. That is spoiler alert. I just Sorry. want to mention here that if we remember the name of that room, it would be really easy to type the command, go to that room, and then the command, go <clears throat> go to this room, if one did not want to wander lonely <clears throat> through stone halls. I just wanted to state that. Down, west, south, east. Um... There's no down from here, so you're... <laughs> what? you'd have to go back to the staircase first. We're not at the staircase? Uh, you're in the private parlor. South down? South down, west, south, south, east, <laughs> east. No, it's east. Okay, south is not... All right, I'll go south. South, crystal bedroom. A fantasia of gleaming... Well, now we're in a crystal bedroom, oh, no. Jenny. I, th- I, th- I thought we went north from somewhere. I'm so sorry. Did we go Where east? Was the... I really do not remember going anywhere from the top of the staircase. Mm. You went east from the top of the staircase. We went there east. There was a debate oh. about wanting to go west. But west I don't right. remember anything and like that. And you said west is best, but east is okay. Or you know why I said that? Because I knew that we'd get to go west after we went east. So I was That's setting true. us up for the best direction. That's always true. That you get to go west after you've gone east. Uh, it's But once you go west, you never go. <laughs> well, unless you're doing a around the world in 80 days kind of thing. in which case. Yeah. That's true. In which case, you should go west. But he goes it, east. He well, he did it wrong. Well, no, because if he went west, he wouldn't have the advantage of the. Is that right? International Dateline, yes. Yeah, he has to You're go not west. Doing spoilers for for around the world in eighty days, but oh, no. uh, it's been out for a while, so. <laughs> it's been out longer than Fight Club. <laughs> yes. All right, you're now currently stranded in the crystal bedroom, and I'm not going to help you with the geography at all after that. <laughs> okay, okay. North. North. Uh-huh. West. Uh-huh. Down. Down. Right. South. South. Nope. No, no, east. East. West. Ah! <laughs> Which it doesn't matter. You mean? <laughs> it's, it's west. West. Okay, you're back in the central courtyard. South. Uh-huh. South. Ah, you're at the drawbridge outside. North, what? east, east. No, it's north and then east and then northeast. Really? I think. Okay. I went east twice because Jenny said it so firmly, and you're back <laughs> in the gallery of historical paintings. Jenny, west, northeast. Okay. okay, now you're in the treasure room. Okay, sorry, Ryan. I forgive you. I guess you don't really get that lonely wandering effect if you've got somebody else shouting directions at the same time as you. <laughs> no, but. We wouldn't have that fantastic 20 minutes of radio mm-hmm. if we had typed to go to treasure room and remember that it was called treasure room. Yeah. Right. This is all riffs in my anchorhead recording was. <laughs> I don't think he's actually going to release it now because it's kind of an impossible edit. Yeah. Uh, Let's take that yeah. puzzle piece. Take puzzle piece. The iron cage isn't open. Oh, no. Everything is terrible. Can we open she it? She knew that was going to happen. Or is it locked? She let us do all that stuff, Jim. Ah! But ah! you wanted me to let you. That was... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Open cage. First, unlocking the iron cage. You lock a key that fits the iron cage. Oh, oh this is awful. This is a good game. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. 
I'm sure the key is elsewhere in this giant castle. Um, go to key. (laughs) (laughs) Go to key. The current problem cannot fully be dealt with until you've addressed another issue. Further exploration is called for. Explain thing. (laughs) That's not a verb I recognize. (laughs) Think. Yeah. Think. Your goal is to discover the beast. You might try exploring and looking for him. Tantalizing leads at the moment include the small door. Jenny, that... The think is implemented. Yeah. I know. It's extremely helpful. I'm excited by that. I was kind of like halfway expecting what a good idea. But no, I should have known better. Wow, okay. Um, yeah. Where Do you was that small, where the small door? small door was? The small door... Wait, I'm I'm not going to be tricked. I can't tell you the answer to that. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, we almost had her, too. <laughs> small door. Go to small door. Go to small door. It is not necessary to specify movement within the room. <laughs> in other words, the small door is already small right door? here. Oh my gosh, the small door was coming from inside the room. <laughs> um, Examine small door. It is closed and locked. Oh, Kiss right. Small door. Oh. Uh, this is a fairy tale. I know anim- how they work. Something animate. You know, that's not even true. You can I kiss know. basically anything. Yeah. Other than yeah. a concept. Uh, quibbles with the i7 library implementation <laughs> can be submitted at a different website. Okay. <laughs> so presumably there's another key to the small door elsewhere in the giant castle. A small key. Yeah. It would have to be. To match the door. Um, And then I'm sure there's an iron key for the iron cage. And there's a card key that unlocks the card door. Card door. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a donkey that unlocks a dong door. I've been through the dong door. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) They told me to get out because I wasn't named Don. Oh, yeah. And then some guy hit on me. Yeah. And he called you Peggy. Yeah. And then a, a, another guy ran after me with a lance. Mm-hmm. And offered to be my knight. Um, yeah. Dom DeLuise is not named Don. No. And Don Quixote is not really named Don. I know. Neither is Don Juan. Oh, I was talking about Don Draper. Oh, I haven't seen Mad Men. There's a guy named Don Draper in it. I heard that Spoiler much. Alert. I heard that There's much. There's also a lady named Peggy in it. Is she played by Christina Hendricks? Let's not get into this now. No. We're going to record the uh, Ryan and Jenny talk about <laughs> Mad Men podcast pretty soon. <laughs> that one will be amazing because I don't intend to watch Mad Men before we record it. And I have not watched Mad Men in a long time. Mm. Have you seen Mad Men, Emily? I have. We're recording it right now. <laughs> Okay. 
I've forgotten what we... Oh, we were making jokes about which keys open which doors. Yeah. yeah. That was actually a better line of Yeah, the Don key and the Mon key. Yeah. And the, uh, the Lime key. That doesn't work. No. No. A key line could unlock a Lime door, though. It could. Um, in Kingdom of Loathing, you can make key limes out of any of the keys that are in the game. Can you make pie out of the key lines? You can. And okay. then you can eat the pie and you get the key back. Uh. Hi, Emily. Did you have, like, some kind of interactive fiction you wanted to play? <laughs> no, I was... I, that, the, that was me making a noise of soft on your hip. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, uh... Yeah. Emily disagrees with that game design decision. She thinks the key should be expended permanently. It used to be. <laughs> no, I, it's it's more the picture of your stick self going through the... No, I'm not going to explain what I was thinking. <laughs> um, but this is a podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, we are going to find some kind of key... Oh, wait, what was yeah. the other lead we had? It's probably still on the screen after all the talking oh, right, we've done right, and right. typing we haven't done. Uh, so it's encouraging you to look at the small door. Um, you are in the treasure room with the cage of objects, but you can't open the cage currently. But when we typed think, mm -hmm. there was another thing besides the small door, wasn't there? Uh, it says that your goal is to discover the beast and that you should explore and look for him. Did it say keep, leads? Keep, read verbatim what it yeah. said. Your goal is to discover the beast, semicolon. You might try exploring and looking for him, period. Tantalizing leads at the moment include the small door, period. Okay, so leads include just the yes. small door. Yes. Yes, okay. She she is lying to us. She said a second thing, and now <laughs> she's not. obfuscating it. I did not. She wants to keep us trapped in this castle forever. <laughs> she does! <gasps> she's secretly the beast. And we're secretly the dual personality protagonist who can choose to remember things. Yes. Wow. We are discovering so much about ourselves. Um, Ourself. Yes. Okay, let's not go down the rabbit hole of um, discussing which pronouns we should use for our dual protagonist self. Ourselves. <laughs> right. That. Uh... I feel like we should probably explore some more rooms. I suppose you just want to type in explore some more rooms. Yes, I do. No, I don't. What I want to type in, what I would type in if you were not here being half of my protagonist, would be go to Crystal Bedroom. Well, I could probably be persuaded to disappear momentarily. Okay. Ryan, do you need something from elsewhere? Some like yarn? Southwest, west, north, I think another north, no. East, up, east, south. Yes, you're back in the crystal bedroom. Woo! Okay, good job. Because she typed in go to crystal bedroom while I was saying those directions. <laughs> okay. Are there things in here? Crystal bedroom. A fantasia of gleaming and glittering, chandeliers and mirrors. All that shines or reflects has been moved here into this room that you inhabit, which he never enters. The south end of the room is most dazzling because of the daylight from the balcony. Puts us in the northern hemisphere. Mm -hmm. I'm, I think I feel like we're pretty solidly in Europe. 
Well, or we could be... Never mind. Um, All I know is it's after the Industrial Revolution, because that was when Bentwood started being a thing. You're assuming that I knew that Bentwood started being a thing at a particular time. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I think I'm assuming that you had the same uh, history of furniture class. Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) FYI. Which is a bad assumption. Okay. There's also some super anachronistic music in Savoir Faire, for what it's worth. Um, Mm. Anyway. Anyway. Wait, do you mean intentionally anachronistic? No. Or are you... Okay. No, I just I you just it, screwed it, up. It, it, yes, since you, you failed, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> no one plays Savoir Fair. The music's wrong. <laughs> I mean, in my defense, you have to intentionally. Oh, never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> Savoir Fair is really good. All right, you're in the bedroom, anyhow. Okay. Can we examine some mirrors? You learned, long ago, that the mirrors would keep him away, and then, when you had less need to keep him at bay, you kept them anyway, so as not to disturb him by just returning them to the rest of the palace. Take key. No key has appeared in this description. And... You can't see any such thing. Okay. Um, examine reflection. Ah, you can't see any such thing. That would have been clever, but no. Are there exits from here? Besides North and south. North and south. Should we go south? Yeah. All right. Through the window. You step out into the rain. Gilded balcony. A ridiculous filigreed balcony that is like nothing so much as a birdcage. And from here, you can see all the way across the moat, across the forest, the plain, to the edge of the sea, only by staring long enough in any direction. When you first came here, the balcony was full of plants and pots. Poison oak, nettles, nightshade, detura. They grow best here, he explained. Don't touch them. And then he took them away, and you've never seen them since. Um, look north. Look north. The bedroom, your bedroom, glitters and sparkles at you. You can imagine what your father and sisters would say about the fact you sleep amid such luxury, like a kept woman. Like a kept woman in a gilded cage. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing look, some layers of metaphor. Look east. You can't see anything promising that way. Take all. There are none at all available. Oh. Oh, no. Go north. We need to get into one of the other bedrooms. Okay. All right. One north takes you back bedrooms. to the crystal bedroom. And then north again, please. Mm-hmm. Private parlor. And then north again. North again, first opening the heavy door. You get far enough to glimpse a bell collection before being overcome. You reel back from the smell of roses and death so powerful that you can't go forward. Until there's a breeze through there, you won't be able to stand being in the place. This puzzle is so cool. And we're not going to have time to actually solve it. Oh no. But I like it a lot. Thank you. Because it forces you to walk all the way around to the other side to get into this place. And it totally makes, like, logical sense and some kind of thematic sense with roses. And it is boss. <laughs> I should have you write the uh, the back of the, the cover <laughs> blurbs for my work. It totally makes some kind of thematic sense and it is boss. I think that's a strong advertising. Mm-hmm. 
That's five stars. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, you're still in the parlor. Hmm. Mm. What other directions do we got? Uh, so currently unvisited besides the north are east, southeast, and southwest. I'm feeling non-cardinal. Southwest is southwest. <laughs> southwest it is. Green bedroom. Having more personality than most of the bedrooms, it was decorated for someone specific and has been left that way, green and white, with a simple rustic cast unusual for the palace. The chief exception is the royal portrait on the wall. Oh, let's examine that. Ex-portrait. That was me, he told you, before I was changed. Do you think I was handsome? You shrugged. Handsome, yes, but proud, selfish, resentful, perhaps cruel. The painter did not do justice to your personality, you replied. You're wrong, he said, and I put this painting here to punish the woman who slept here. She treated me with justice, and I could not forgive her. He refused to tell you the rest. You like me more than you should, and trust me less, he said. If I told you the rest of this particular story, you would neither trust nor like. There, that's a warning for you. You reacquaint yourself with its appearance. A portrait of a young, arrogant king. Not a prince, but one who inherited early and used his power from the beginning. He stares out with bitterness, perhaps even resentment. There are a lot of pauses where we process what we've heard Mm -hmm. that I have to edit out because it's dead air. And it's going to sound like we immediately knew what to do next. You should just um, edit out the next, like, two hours, and then it'll sound like we're very smart. Oh, wow. Very I'd listen to that. I would, too. Go, uh, no, was there, like, a a furniture in this room? Uh, The only thing it's mentioned is the portrait. Okay. So this was the wrong room. Clearly. Unless there's something behind the portrait, which people seem to think there should be. Move portrait, s'il vous plaît. It is fixed in place. Hmm. Maybe we should try, what do we have, southeast? Jenny, 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 Yes, Jenny, yes, Jenny. yes. Don't tell Emily about this. Okay. I'm going to write a game where there's, like, a, a busted, um, like, Model T. Okay. And... Um, when you try to move it, it says that it's broken in place. <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay. When when Emily sees that in the game, she's going to be really surprised uh-huh. and amused. Um, hey, Emily, we want to go northeast. Okay. Back in the private parlor? Um, and then... Yeah, I, 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 I lost it. I forget which way we is had the an, one we haven't gone. It was either northwest or southeast, I think. We had another east and, east and southeast are remaining. Okay. Southeast. You would have a nice little diagram of this if you were actually looking at the game. <laughs> yeah. Empty... This is a good medium for this particular It really game, is. <laughs> <laughs> Empty bedroom. Like a monk's chamber compared to every other part of the palace, just bare walls now. Here your father stayed when he made his ill-fated journey to the castle. The beast told you this on your first visit. On the wall, as a curio, hangs an open shackle. Sign of the only person ever to have escaped the power of this place. Ah, we want that shackle. I think. Get shackle? Yes, please. You acquire the shackle and assess it curiously. Your father claims to have been chained up, but the beast never made the least effort to restrain you with chains or bars. On the contrary, but that remains a puzzle. You reacquaint yourself with its appearance. Curious object, a broken shackle... 
Nowhere else in the castle are there any chains or ropes or devices of torture. There has never been a need for such physical coercion. Hmm. I think we need to go back northwest mm-hmm. and then east. Yes. Guest bedroom. Made up for the reception of a guest who will never arrive again. A tapestry recalls the story. Still here, at the center of the room, is the stool you and the beast used the time he tried to teach you how to dance. Not a great success, but more effective than the experiment with the stilts. He's not upstairs, then. There's nowhere in these rooms he could have been hiding, no space large enough to conceal him. Perhaps he's downstairs somewhere in the east wing. That would make sense. You find these rooms dreary and cold, but he spends time there when he wishes to be alone. Perhaps... Perhaps what? <laughs> it's a it's a dot dot dot. Perhaps he's there. Okay. I feel like there wouldn't be a stool if we weren't expected to stand on it later. Oh, absolutely. And we should probably examine this tapestry. Next tapestry. It's hard to make out the story from the faded threads, but it appears to show a very small man, almost a dwarf, who holds on a leading string a very large demon, almost a god. Hmm. Oh. Did we pick up the stool? Uh, you didn't, but you can. Y- yes, please. You acquire the stool and assess it curiously. An ordinary three-legged stool like the one your cat at home liked to sleep on. Oh, I miss our cat. <laughs> I'm glad the cat is back home. and That's true, and not running around cat. here eating the nightshade. Um, yeah, the nightshade is gone. Right, but she'd find it. Um, so Our cat guess, at home is female, apparently. Uh, yes. <laughs> Cats don't really have... You just decide for them, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I feel like there is a part of the cat you can look at. <laughs> I've not heard anything like that, no. So how's vet school going? <laughs> Great! We're learning all about chairs? <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, go west-west. Okay, that takes you back to the upstairs helical staircase. And do we have anywhere to go here but down? Uh, there's back east, but those are your only options. So let's go down, and then mm-hmm. west, and then south, and then Okay, I feel east. like I should mention, since I think you've probably forgotten, that there is a southwest from the entrance hall as well. Jenny! Sorry. I blame you. That's fair. Uh, could we go that direction that you uh, politely noted? Guard tower. A round tower offering protection to the guard drawbridge. So he's not among the kitchen things. Perhaps he's over in the east wing. That would make sense. You find these rooms dreary and cold, but he spends time there when he wishes to be alone. Yeah. Same thing as before, yes. Um, and we can't go anywhere but northwest from here, Northeast, right? yeah. Northeast. Um, but there's something cool here, right? I think you're thinking of a different place that you have also not gone. <laughs> no, I was just hoping that you would, like, reveal it to me. <laughs> I was trying to psych you out. Um, okay, then go back to the... Entrance hall. This is like, this is really good because I made this point earlier about how 
wandering around um, in a map like this is such a valuable experience, and now we're forcing listeners to mm -hmm. have a terrible experience. <laughs> what were our exits? Uh, any cardinal direction, and then the, the guard tower with nothing in it is southwest. But our uh, nice lady seems to think that he's <laughs> in the east wing, so okay. her name is Nice Lady. <laughs> nice Lady and the Beast? <laughs> yeah. Nice Lady and the Mean Guy. <laughs> nice Lady and the Guy Who Could Be Nicer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, let's go... Let's go to the East Wing. All right. You're back in the Scarlet Gallery. Um, again, I will mention there is a direction that you have not explored from this location, which is southeast. Okay. Ah. Let's go southeast. Southeast. Scarlet Tower. A little hexagonal room from whose narrow window you can see the moat, the lawn, and the beginning of the forest outside. On the windowsill, a helmet waits for the use of the sentry. He's not down here, then, in the east wing. He must have gone to the one of the more difficult parts of the castle, the state rooms or the crypt, one of the places he knows you hate to visit alone. This does not bode well for his state of mind. Will he be angry? It has been a long time since he was truly angry at you, but you can't deal with that until you find him. So we take the helmet. helmet. You acquire the helmet and assess it curiously. A very old helmet that you have seen the beast wear. And quite foolish it looked, perched on a head it no longer fits. It would suit your head better. He told you once the helmet was for night watchmen, scouts, and guards to increase their vigilance and strengthen their hearing. Lines of writing arc over each ear, but you do not know the language in question. Can we wear it? Can we examine the writing? Ooh, okay. X writing. Ah, just says, a very old helmet, you've seen the beast wear, blah, 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 blah. Lines of writing, you do not know the language in question. But we have the director here, and we can ask her what the writing says. <laughs> um, so, to get at exactly what it says, I would need to look at the source code, which I understand are forbidden from. We never from. do in this context. I mean, we made that decision fairly recently. We did. But now we know that when we're out, not recording a podcast anymore, we can go look it up. And uh, it'll be a multimedia experience. Yes. So uh, instead, we should just wear the helmet. And then um, we should get into the basement. Wear a helmet. You settle the helmet over your head and there is a roaring in your ears at first. But then the sharpened hearing begins to feel natural again. Can we listen? You hear your own steady breathing. Let's go backy north. Northy west And then, I think, plain old east. Uh, so it's northwest, right? Okay. Yeah, that's what I said, northy west So you're back at the entrance hall. You did oh, northwest oh. and west again, right? I wanted to go northwest and east. Oh, okay, yes. Can yes. I go east okay, two so times? Okay, so you're in Gallery of Historical Paintings? And then you want to go east again? And... Okay, yeah, you're in the room yeah, with yeah. Labyrinth floor. Heck yes, go down. Uh -huh. All right, darkness. A dim light filters down from the room with the Labyrinth floor. You can see almost nothing of the contents of your current location. But if we listen... Listen. 
Wind chimes ring, almost inaudible from the northwest. You can also make out your own steady oh, breathing. Yeah. Uh, let's go northwest. Darkness. It is so dark in here that you have to feel your way along and are nervous of tripping at any moment. You find yourself concentrating all the more alertly on the hearing, as though the slightest echo might offer a clue. Wind chimes ring, muted from the northeast, competing with an irregular dripping from the southwest. You can also make out your own steady breathing. So, northeast. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it's so dark in here, blah, blah, blah. Wind chimes ring melodious from the west. You can also make out your own steady breathing. You breathe a lot, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These female protagonists do a lot of breathing. Uh, west. West. Uh, it is so dark in here, blah, 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 blah. Wind chimes ring loud from the north. North. Though a dim light filters down from the rose garden, you can see almost nothing of the contents of your current location. Up. Oh. You climb into the pale light. Rose garden. Only one <laughs> kind of rose grows here, a pink only just distinct from white. This strain creeps over the ground and climbs the walls of the cloister. In the middle of the garden, a way slopes into the ground, reminding you of the entrance to a burial mound. Strung up by a chain is a set of iron wind chimes. So, let's... Take chimes. You cannot reach the iron wind chimes from your present location. You'd need something to stand on. How about this stool? <laughs> I'm not going to actually type how about this stool. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to implement that as a verb now. We're, we're just kind of conversationally chatting with the game about all the objects. Uh-huh. Yeah. How about this stool, huh? And then the game would say, yeah, it's really something. Yep. Sure is. Then it spits like tobacco juice. <laughs> Reckons. Right. So how would you like to attempt to use the stool? Drop stool. Stand on stool. Kick out stool. <laughs> it's not that kind of game. Drop oh, okay. stool. You set the stool next to one wall. Stand on stool. You stand a little precariously on the stool and are now more or less the same height as an ordinary person. Take chimes. You did not put down the stool in the right place. No. Take chimes. The chimes have been locked to the chain that supports them. With a key? I'm so annoying. I'm so sorry. Keys, man. <laughs> Hate them. I actually did not remember that that was going to be a thing. I thought that you were going to be done at that moment, but but no. Nope. Some lady from the past <laughs> has ruined everything. Um, I mean, biblically, that's kind of true of most things. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, do we have any exits from here besides down? Yes. Uh, there's south and southeast. Let's go uh, south. South. I was going to let De Jenny decide, but I'm mad at her. Oh. You decide that you'll need to get down first. You get off the stool. Cloister walk. A pleasant cloister overlooking the rose garden to the north. You've walked it many times, seeking to waste the excesses of time at your disposal. Uh, west and east are also exits from here. Um, west. West. You find your way blocked by a phantom guard. Somewhere nearby, Classic. you hear chimes. As soon as you back up, he disperses into smoke again. 
East. Mm-hmm. East. Walks end. Lucrezia, they say, died here. It's only a turning point in the corridor with a bench. On the stone bench are some discarded embroidery materials. Oh. A clue. Uh-huh. Take materials. You acquire the discarded embroidery materials and assess it. Ooh. Bad pronoun. Mm. Assess it curiously. A few weeks ago now, he came to you with a quick step. Look, it took me all morning, but I found this. Holding out the basket of threads, the folded linen, not in bad condition either. What is that for? You were never much for sewing things at home, even before your mother died. I thought, since you're so bored here... He lowered his arm. When I saw more of the world, I knew a number of young ladies who were very fond of it. My sister liked to make stories with hers. You opened your mouth, looking for something to say. I see, he answered. The world has changed. What do young ladies do now? Don't know, you reply. My father fell on hard times. We live in the country. I'm more or less a milkmaid these days. At the word milkmaid, his mouth twisted a little and he shrugged. Cannot provide any cows, he said after a long time. (laughs) You reacquaint yourself with its appearance. The little that is already done is old-fashioned black work like your grandmother's mother might have stitched. And there's an exit south. Okay. What girls these days do is get drunk and listen to jazz music. (laughs) What girls these days do is get kidnapped by monster humans. That's true! It's demonstrably true. Um, Let's go south. Mm -hmm. South. Scrying room. A place for consulting with servants, summoning them by their instruments and allowing their spirits to manifest in the mirrors... But you will know this only from explanation, because the mirrors and the glasses have been broken or carried away to the crystal bedroom when they cease to reflect anything that gave pleasure to their master. Nearby, a small door leads west to the treasure room. A small key hangs beside the door. Yes! I bet that small key opens the small door! Oh, Jenny, don't get your hopes up. (laughs) You're right, it was a foolish idea. Let's take the small key and... Only uh, in deference to our listeners will I permit Jenny to ask Emily to type in, go to treasure room. Emily, can we go to the treasure room? Okay, you take the small key. You acquire the small key and assess it curiously. The key is of the sort of delicate design intended to unlock more than one thing. The small (sighs) key unlocks the small door. Well, now type, go to treasure room. But, <laughs> because it's being perverse, what happens is you head north to Walk's End, then northwest to the Rose Garden, then down to the Rooted Room, then west to the Gallery of Historical Paintings, then west to the Scarlet Gallery, and finally northeast to the Treasure Room. So you've just gone around I really around had the same emotional way. experience. <laughs> no, I didn't. You're back in the Treasure so, Room now. Yes. So if it unlocks more than one thing, then maybe it does unlock the... A chain, but um, let's unlock the small door and unlock see what waits door. on its other's side. Well, you've now seen the small door from both sides, right? So you're what? Yes. So when you go through the small door, you wind up back in this crying room. Oh. 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 We did not pay attention after we heard oh, the word key. Right. So. <laughs> okay. Now, we're going to unlock the chain. (laughs) All right. I have taken you back to the Rose Garden. 
stand on stool. Unlock chain. You unlock the iron wind chimes. Take chimes. You take the chimes down, silencing them and muting their power. When they are entirely still, they fade from your grip and vanish. Oh, that's strange. Yeah. So now, uh, as a matter of ceremony, let's go um, back to the um, courtyard. Okay. I did just type go to courtyard, FYI, but here we are I in the courtyard. I don't know why you would do that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then go north. North. State Rotunda. Built for the bureaucratic offices of the palace, inlaid in the floor is the map of all the lands that once this palace commanded, and from the stains and driblets of wax, it's clear to you that someone at some time thought it was useful to set a map at the, or set a candle at the map's center and observe the result. Ryan. Yeah. We're in that room you were talking about, the one with the map on the floor. I know we are, Jenny. This is very exciting. It is very exciting. What do we do now? Um. I think what we were planning to do was stop playing the game. Okay! <laughs> yes, you win! Hooray! It was Yay! MapQuest. We found the map. MapQuest! 